You are listening to Scars and Guitars, the podcast series. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and I hope wherever you are in the world and whatever you might be doing, you are doing very well. You're about to listen to a conversation between myself and Bobby Blitz Ellsworth, the legendary frontman of a legendary band, Overkill. They are the New Jersey thrash metal pioneers. The reason for the conversation is to promote Overkill's Australian tour through late February and early March of 2018. Let's have a listen to what Blitz has to say. Here we go. Here he is. How are you, mate? I was just going to say, there he is. How are you, man? (laughs) Good to talk to you, Andrew. Likewise, mate. Yeah, it's my second time talking to you this year, and uh, last time I spoke to you, mate, I mentioned that I was really nervous before talking to you. I've done quite a few interviews at this point, well over 200, mate, but I've been following your career for some time, so I was really looking forward to this chat this time around. Yeah. I, I remember we talked uh, grinding wheel stuff. You're still in my uh, you're still in my Skype. Um, uh, oh, cool. So yeah, cool. It, mate. it wasn't that hard. I did a search and it was like boop, it popped right up. I was like, oh, that's nice. It's right in here. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. The last chat got a, got a bit of a pop actually on my. Um, so I was writing articles back then, but what I did is the audio quality wasn't too bad because I'd recorded it to a fairly crude iPhone to iPad setup. But I actually released it as a podcast episode as well, and I got quite a few few hits on it, actually. Um, some pretty far-flung places in the Middle East as well. It seems like you got some fans over there. I don't know whether you're aware of that, but I tend to get people listening to my show all over the world. I have no idea how they get in touch with my episodes or what have you or how they find me, mate, but I noticed yours in particular got quite a pop. Andrew McKay-Smith, Universal. Fantastic. <laughs> and did I help launch this? <laughs> did I help well, you got is this all it. about me? <laughs> it is. It's always all about you, mate. Whenever I'm talking to you, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> enough about you. Enough about you. Let's talk about me, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Where, where are you at the moment? Oh, that's great, though. That's a that's a that's a great compliment to uh, to what you're doing for the scene, and that's uh, and and you know it, it's funny because you know when we travel the world and uh, you know do European festivals or end up on a cruise or or. Uh, you run into guys in the Middle East, and you and you and you say, "Hey, I'm this uh, metalhead from Iran, and I can't believe that you know we'd never have the chance to see you unless we traveled." And you know how cool is it that uh, that it actually is a universal language for all of us? Look, I think it is. I, I noticed that. I think Jello Biafra said it best back in the early '90s when he made a comment about Morbid Angel. He'd notice on his tours that he went on that he, and of course, he's got fans all over the world, South America, even Africa, and the like, but. He noticed that he had fans of Morbid Angel turning up to some of his shows, and he made a broader comment about death and heavy metal, saying it was like jazz and that it seems to cross over all social, political, and economic boundaries. Well, yeah, interesting. I mean, it's, uh, I mean, for sure, it's, uh, you know, I've always looked at it as uh, adrenaline makes you calmer after you've gotten rid of it. Mm. <laughs> so, yeah, so, no, you're not wrong. So may, maybe, yeah, but maybe it's uh, you know that magnetic quality of adrenaline that uh, makes us all feel better at the end of the day when it comes to uh, when it comes to metal and comes to thrash. Yeah, no doubt, mate. And um, mate, you are coming to Australia in March of next year, so we're excited about that. I'm particularly excited about that because I'm yet to see you guys live. But what sort of a show will you be bringing down? Well, you know, I, I think one of the great things about this band um, is that we're proud to say it's business as usual. It's not it's not that Germans get something different or Americans or Canadians or South Americans or Mexicans or Australians. They get the real deal. I mean, if you if you look at uh, I mean, what show are you going to? Are you coming to Melbourne or Brisbane? Brisbane. Or? Yeah, I'd be at the show at okay. the zoo. Yeah. 
Okay, at the zoo, uh, at March 1st. Well, the morning of March 1st, the most important show in my life is is at the zoo. And, and cool. if I take that from day to day, um, I think that you get, you get the full effect of what this band is about. This isn't about, uh, oh, this is a pain in the ass or that's a pain in the ass. All that stuff's going to happen. That's just life. But when that 90 minutes happens, it has to be over the top. It has to be the most important show of your career. And if you think of it that way, I suppose that's where 35 years comes from. You know, I mean, it's a, it's a yeah. simple principle that's just applied daily. And, and um, it actually reaps longevity. So, so I think that what we're bringing to Australia is what we bring everywhere. And, and I think that that's one of the, uh, let's say, endearing factors of overkill. Yeah, fantastic, mate. And let's talk the grinding wheel again, because I'm going to have different people listen to this podcast episode that tuned into the last one. The album has been out since February, so you've no doubt received plenty of feedback from fans throughout the year about the album. But, mate, where do you think that the album sits in the overall canon of work from Overkill? Well, I think it's up there. You know, I, I think, you know, I, I have to look at it from being involved in it as a writer, not with regard to popularity. Now, obviously, it was accepted at uh, a relatively high level. We were we were playing these songs even before we released the record. You know, we're not going to pussy out and be, um, you know, a, a tribute band to ourselves and do only what MTV played on videos or what Nuclear Blast releases on videos. We're playing the new songs because, you know, it it. it it gets our bone up. I mean, that's what it's about, you know. I mean, that's why you're you're in a band. But I think that when I when I listen to it or my feeling about this record to this point is that we've used, and I may have even said this to you back then, that we got to touch on so many different aspects of Overkill. What makes this band? It's not a one-dimensional or two-dimensional band. It's a multi-dimensional band. Um, that if we can fuck around with that punk rock feeling and turn it into a thrash song and come over the top with a little Sabbath up your ass and a punch right in the nose with something that feels like hardcore and then rock and roll you on the way out. It, you know, to me, that becomes uh, successful or, 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 uh, or a great accomplishment with regard to where the record sits uh, in the catalog. So, so I, I put it up in the, uh, in the top echelon. Uh, I mean, you know, it's always hard to say number one, but let's just say for sure after how many have we done? 300 records. I think last time I checked, you were up to 40 releases or something like 40 official releases. It's huge. It's it's in the top 10% of the 300. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You know, I've got to thank you too. Um, I actually purchased the album on cassette through the Nuclear Blast website. And um, I've gotten into cassettes recently because they're just old school. But my young daughters, I've got a daughter who's four and a half and a daughter who's almost three. And I get them to put the tapes into the cassette player and press, press play. And, of course, one of the most played ones that we've got is the grinding wheel. So the kids go and do their little slam dance around the living room to it, mate. So listening to Overkill in my household is, a def- is definitely a family affair. <laughs> is, there, is there a favorite tune from either of the daughters? Uh, no, not really. They're still sort of um, figuring it out. Actually, the, um, I think, what's the first song on the second side? What would that make, that one? I'm going to have to Google it now. second side. That would be Come Heavy. Maybe Come Heavy. I'll tell you in two seconds. Hang on a second. I've got my trusty Google open here. Let me find it. Because the thing is about listening to tapes is you're obviously not looking at it, so you're not actually aware of what the names of the songs are. I've noticed that about getting back into buying tapes is that you get to listen to the album as a unit rather than just as individual songs. And and that's where I think... 
this album really shines for you guys as an overall unit rather than just a collection of songs that have been put together but no nobody could ever have accused overkill of being the band that did that you know you, you guys always created unified bodies of work that seem to have a good flow well that's a, a, that's the key to success and uh, i've said it in interviews in the past is that to have a record that feels cohesive um, that you don't want to necessarily pop from song to song um, and skip over what would be filler if you have a cohesive record each song depends on the next and the one prior to it that mm. if you can show all the, the key is to show all those elements but to still keep somebody's interest to say, what's next? What's next? Mm. What's next? And even when you know what's next, you say, ah, I know what's next. That's interesting too. Yeah. So I, I, you know, this is probably why I think this record has got that, you know, that uh, full feel for me or that cohesive feel. But, you know, I, I also think one of the things about this music is, is, is purity. And, and I may have said it in the past to you, but there, you know, there's a pure approach to this. It's, um, it's people doing it because they want to do it. And, and you know, you, I, I think jazz aficionados uh, will find purity in jazz. Uh, I think certain uh, rock and roll aficionados find it in rock and roll and certain metalheads find it. I mean, you never find purity in pop. It, it happens to be the flavor oh, of the day. Uh, but the, you know, uh, the, the cool thing is that it transcends generations that you have you know, a three and a four year old banging their heads around. And, and, and I'll still, I, I always remember this. I was walking across a field in Germany. It was totally muddy. It was a festival field. I had motorcycle boots on and mud up to my knees. And we had just finished playing. And I was going to check out this new line of merchandise we were doing. We we're doing these like cowboy shirts. And I love the fucking <laughs> things because I said, you know, Didi and I always look at each other and goes, would Lemmy wear that? And we both shook our heads and said, yes, he would. Of course he would. <laughs> <laughs> so, so I'm walking over to check this out, and uh, my wife is Dutch, and I, I had to learn Dutch to speak to my mother-in-law. And mm. uh, she learned English, oh. I learned Dutch, so it was a, it was a good trade-off. And, and this, uh, this little girl comes running across the field, and I could see there was parents and adults behind her. She comes running across, and she couldn't have been more than eight eight years old or so, and, and, and she says in, in perfect Dutch, you're my favorite singer. Yeah, I've been my favorite singer. singer. And, 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 I, and I, now I can talk to her in Dutch, you know, and now I'm like, she's on top of the world because I know her language and, you know, the whole thing. Yeah, cool. and, and the family wants pictures with me. So, so I, got the, I got the granddaughter, I got the grandpa, I got mom and dad, and then there's another you know, daughter or son there, I forget, but I'm saying, how fucking great is this that it actually can transcend, uh, you know, three generations of, of one yeah. particular family to actually get a kick out of it. And I, and I think that that's where its value is, uh, is in its purity. Yeah, no, I agree. Your music is transgenerational. I think um, what I've always noticed about metal shows here in Australia is you can find 18-year-old girls with overkill T-shirts on, but at the same time you'll find 55-year-old guys with overkill T-shirts on as well. You're one of those bands that does cross over big time. So I mentioned that there's that, that you know, that, you know, crossing over uh, economic, uh, you know, all sorts of um, political boundaries, social boundaries and the like, but it's an age thing too, isn't it? Overkill seems to be a band for the ages. Well, you, you know, and maybe somewhere in there becomes the motivation to continue doing it is that it feels like it means something to, uh, you know, obviously not the masses, uh, but for sure uh, a select minority. And that, you know, that to me is uh, maybe that's my pride. Yeah. That I'm part of that select minority. I'm, I'm you know, by, by no means is it 
is at an elevated status. It never has been. It's it's always been. This is uh, music played by fans for fans, and 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 doesn't that make it easier to connect with? And so 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 I always get a kick out of uh, having an opportunity that's a new opportunity or a double dip like. Australia. This is our second time through. Hmm. I mean, that's uh, that's wow. amazing. I mean, not a lot of people in this world can say that. So it says something for the music and the people who follow it. So just just on uh, the music business side of things, you, you've you're a veteran. You've been doing this for almost forty years, unbelievably. And I, I say that because you've been you've stuck to your guns the entire time and stayed true to who you are. You're still within your own truth, is what I'm saying. Um, did you give Did you watch the American Music Awards last night? I'm sorry, my, my thing is breaking up. Did I watch the American Music Awards? That's right. Yeah, did you watch them last night at all? No, I didn't watch them, no. What's no. – I think Eddie Trunk, who I know you, you're famously very good friends with, came out and said that a lot of the uh, – basically rock was not represented at all. I think Linkin Park were the closest thing that we had to a rock band that was represented, and, of course, they won the alternative rock category. I think there's only one one category for rock in there at the moment. I think Lady Gaga won the pop rock artist, which is a bit – Bizarre, to say the least, given that there's so many rock bands still out yeah. there. Um, but what's your state on this, the, the, the industry at the moment? Because it feels as though with fans, rock and metal is still incredibly popular, but the industry just couldn't give a shit. Yeah, I, I mean, I suppose so. I, you know, I, I didn't watch it, so I can't really give you, a, a, you know, my feeling about it. Uh, that particular uh, uh, awards uh, ceremony, I did see on uh, on a news feed I had today that Lincoln Park had won uh, something. You know, I I don't know. I I always think that maybe we're more valuable to the people who love us because we're not considered. You know what I mean? It's kind of like a good secret. Um, but I do think yeah. that for you know for sure. Uh, uh, rock and roll is a driving force of everything behind everything that succeeds. You know, I mean, for for sure it is. Whether it be Lincoln Park or Lady Gaga, it's it's the rock and roll that helps it survive. Hmm. It's the beat. You know, so I, I suppose it's represented represented uh, in, in the in the awards. But you know, I I've never I've never concerned myself with such things. You know, it, it's like chart numbers. It never really matters. You know, it's if how many miles you have left in the tank? That's a lot more important. How many uh, how many shows can we do this year? How this is not about being part of the greater picture. This is about cutting a niche out somewhere else. And you know, if it's accepted by the greater picture, listen, I'm not allergic to to American greenbacks here. I mean, I'll I, I'll <laughs> take the pay. Uh, yeah, but, sure. You know, I mean, I, I run I run guns and prostitution on the side just so I can do it. <laughs> <laughs> of course you do. <laughs> <laughs> But but the point is, at least I'm an entrepreneur. <laughs> Smart bloke, mate. You've diversified the music business and organized crime. It's not a bad way to look at things, I'm sure. I'm, you're taking a cue from Sinatra there, mate. Well done. <laughs> hey, listen, I'm, I'm in New Jersey. You know, there's a great there's a great thing that comes around every now and then. It says all the great people who live in New Jersey. And it's this huge list. You know, it's Sinatra's in there and Bon Jovi and blah, blah, blah. Richie Sempore and Edison. And, all those, and every time I get it, I... Just add my name and Dee Dee's name, but I don't put them next to each other. I just put them through, and then I forward it on. So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you deserve to be there, mate. One of the longest-running metal bands in, in the world, mate. Why not? You know, see, influencing count, countless bands and inspiring countless people. Why not? You know, you'd be on my list of famous New Jersey people, actually. So, 
Hey, I, <laughs> I've got one more question, then I better wrap things up. Have you got another sure. interview after me? Do you know? No, no, this is it. So okay, take cool. your time. Excellent. Okay, so look, this is a bit left field, this question here, mate, but I had prepared this one for you because in my view, you're as good a person to ask this as any. Of course, you're in the entertainment business and, um, you know, you might be in the music business, but the entertainment business also includes film and whatever else, you know, um, Broadway. Do the accusations against Weinstein, Louis C.K., Russell Simmons and Brett Ratner and God knows countless others at this point in time, including Sylvester Stallone, do they surprise you? Oh jeez! I mean, I mean that that whole thing doesn't. <laughs> Could you imagine me being harassed? <laughs> <laughs> About as likely as me getting harassed. <laughs> Christ's sake! I'd be welcoming it. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty out there, though, isn't it? That it's been going on for so long, and it's been so common, and it's only just now that people have been confident to come forward. And I know that Kesha, you know, the uh, pop singer Kesha came out and yeah. said Dr. Luke, her producer, was harassing her and molesting her or whatever else, or allegedly molesting her or whatever else was going on. But, mate, what's, what's your, do you, have you had any exposure to any of this shit going on in the music business, or is it just not something that happens in metal in, in your experience? I mean, I mean, you know, I, I've always, I always remember uh, uh, this many years through that if I, if I ever run into somebody that I don't remember, uh, of, of the opposite sex and uh, and I, I get grilled with regard to uh, time date uh, happenstance uh, uh, amount of drinks for instance and I smile and say was I a gentleman <laughs> that's that's <laughs> my and I've always gotten the yes uh, yeah, from where, yeah. you know from where I stand um, and so, you know, I suppose, uh, I suppose it's just the person. I, I, I really think that, um, I think one of the things that power brings is decadence, uh, to some degree. And maybe it's good that I don't have power because I care a little bit more, uh, about those around me, uh, as opposed to what I could have, uh, for my own, uh, for my own, uh, degenerate thirst. Uh, you might say. Um, so yeah. I've never been, I've never been exposed to it. Um, and if I was, like I said, um, I never thought of it as such. I, I only welcomed it if, if, <laughs> if I was that, that person, but, um, and, and I've never committed it. Uh, but I do think that in the modern era, one of the things that we have is a coming out of all. And, and what I mean by that is that, um, because of social media, um, there is, uh, there's, there, there's the right of validity, uh, by having it. You're valid if you, if you say such things. And once, uh, once the snowflakes fall and the snowball's made and it starts rolling, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger, um, with this. I'm, I'm not, uh, by any means, um, saying that accusations are wrong, but I do think, uh, at this particular time, in our history, um, it's it's a fad to bring this out. Um, mm -hmm. uh, I, I think that more and more will happen. And, and not that they're not legitimate. I, I do believe that the majority of it is legitimate and 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 <clears throat> and should be should be addressed. But I, but I but I think that um, 
it's uh, it's a sign of the times uh, that it happens and because people have such easy ways to communicate at this particular time and information mm. is, is so is so instantaneous that um, that it, it just seems to me that um, it, it's going to uh, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger uh, and I think the music industry and the entertainment industry are probably uh, the biggest leches <laughs> that are yeah. out there with so, so early, more shuffle, more shuffle. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. I tell you, earlier in the year, I I was talking to Varg, who's one of the guys that's in prison now from Decapitated. You've probably been following what what happened to those guys with the girl that was on the tour bus with them. All four guys have been charged with various degrees of rape. Um, they're held in I think Washington State. I think it is that they got transported or deported or something from California. Not deported, but they got transported from California to Washington State. Now. I spoke to him for a good 25 minutes or so, and five minutes of that was dedicated to us talking about the ins and outs of dropping our our daughters off, our respective daughters off, to daycare before the chat got underway. So I've got to tell you, I was surprised as shit to hear that a bloke like that, and he was a pure gentleman on the discussion, you know, it was like talking to you, mate, with all due respect. It was a wonderful chat that I had with him. We talked about all sorts of different stuff. He was very polite. Fast forward six months, and he's in prison for, you know, an alleged rape. So there, there are these things that are out there, and to your point, you know, the trial by media thing does sort of kick in very quickly. And I, if he was my mate, I'd have very, I, I, I even, even though I'm not mates with him, I've only had one discussion with him, and I've followed his music for a period of time. But I have a very hard time believing that he's the same bloke who did what he's accused of, as well. So I just, I hope that, you know, with these guys in this metal band decapitated, that there is a fair course of justice for them and that justice will prevail, not just who's got the most amount of money to throw at a decent lawyer? Uh, I, I would uh, I would be uh, uh, comforted in the fact that um, the American justice system is an American, is, is a system. And, and, and in many cases it works. I'm, I'm not saying, uh, I'm, I'm not leaning in one way or the other, but, but I, I, it will be looked at uh, um, uh, very uh, stringently, uh, you know, through this process. So, and I'm aware of it, uh, you know, and I would never give an opinion and I would never, I would never be so brash as to um, discount someone who uh, was an accuser, because I think that that's, of course, a person's right to do such. I mean, that's, I mean, that's, um, you know, that's, that's a hard thing to do. I think, uh Especially if you, you're the victim, uh, or or at least the alleged victim. So yeah, uh, I, I would I would just say let let justice take its course. Um, I mean, we make mistakes like uh, other countries, but um, but for the most part, we're pretty good when it comes to this. It's not just uh, a slam dunk because uh, somebody said so, yeah. or you know, or the other way, um, where where um, you know, or, or it could be the absolute opposite. Yeah, you know, we're, we're, we're totally misogynistic. We're not evil, so so let's uh, let's see what happens. I um, you know um, it, it's hard to give opinions when there's victims involved because oh very much uh, so yeah yes I I, I don't want to and and I and again I I just want to repeat I would never uh, discount someone who's considered a victim's um, accusation because if they are a victim of something then uh, the right thing should be done. Yeah, for sure. Person, person, person foremost. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hey, just a, a bit of a, uh, a different question now. I know Jason Bittner's been in the band for about a year or so now. How's he been going for you? Yeah, he joined, uh, gave him a call on uh, a tour we had done in, oh God, February uh, mm-hmm. to the US. Um, and he was, he, he talked to his wife for five minutes, called me back and said yes. Uh, Eddie, Eddie Garcia was filling in um, up until that time, and you know Eddie was was temporary uh, by both both of our accounts, ours and his. And uh, Jason is has brought a bunch of snot to the band. I mean, he's got a great energy on the stage, off the stage. He fits in great. He has the same sense of humor as us. He's relatively from our area. Uh, he used to hang out uh, when the band was loading in 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 his hometown when he was a kid, going to. Um, uh, I think he was going to Berkeley, uh, Berkeley School of Music. He would mm-hmm. show up when he had uh, free time with drumsticks in his pocket and mess around with Tim Mallory's drums. Um, so he's been a long-standing friend of ours. Uh, he's played with us at uh, in Los Angeles when he was out there for a convention. He sat in. So he has a history with us. So him just walking in was was just the right fit for us. Um, so he's, he's added this whole kind of this... Uh, you know, this kind of tense energy to us. You know, the, what makes Overkill work behind the kit is that it should seem as if the train is coming off the tracks, but it never comes off the tracks. Yeah, and yeah. that's really, that's the idea. The train is <laughs> run away, <laughs> but it never actually crashes. You know, that's, um, and uh, I think that that was the only thing we ever said to him, you know, and, and what do you guys want? We want to make sure the train stays on the tracks, but it seems like mm. it's coming off the tracks. So Jason is, uh, Jason's been a great addition and, and has always been a great friend. So there was, you know, at, at my age, at my uh, time, uh, my tenure in this, uh, I don't want to tour with people I don't like. I mean, that's just as simple as it is. Yeah. I would rather play with somebody I like than somebody who comes in and says, this is the way it should be done. And you guys are this and you could sing better and you could play guitar better. I'm, I'm not interested. Um, but Jason's not that cat. He's, uh, he's one of the boys and was, uh, I mean, there's practical jokes being played on him that he came back with a day later on whoever did it. So that's the way it works. Yeah, those Shadows Fall guys, I think all of them have gone on individually to do pretty extraordinary things, actually. I just reviewed the album from um, Act of Defiance, which has uh, Glenn Drover and Chris oh, Broderick, sure. who used to be in Megadeth. Yep. Yeah, that's a heck of an album, actually. Um, and I who's uh, the bass players on that? The Shadows Falls uh, bass yeah, player? Yeah, spot on. Uh, yeah, he's playing, he's, yeah, that's right. Oh, he's the Shadows Falls guitarist, I think, who switched to playing bass in the band. Okay, um, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a heck of an album, and to be honest, they were a band I didn't really, um, I'm not going to say I didn't rate them, but I hadn't given them any time. But when I sat down to review the album, I ended up getting into them. Um, so, but yeah, no, as I say, the Shadows Fall alumni doing good things for the metal scene. Yeah, and who knows what happens with them in the future? I mean, they may get back together someday. Who knows? But and we're just happy to have Jason with us. He's, you know, it, it's always great to have new energy come in. You know, uh, I, he was doing Flotsam and he was doing a great job with them. And and we never, it wasn't that we didn't consider him. His name always was around, um, even when Eddie was playing with us. And but you know, the point was we're saying, you know, do you go in there and mess up their formula? And we we gotten to the point where we had to make a decision, and we just said, "It's up to you. If you'd like it, it's not about an audition. It's about you just sliding into this." Yeah, and cool. uh, yeah. he was all over that. Yeah, and he actually knows more Overkill songs than Overkill. You know, I mean, it, like he he can pull stuff out of his hat that he's just learned the entire catalog. And I have to go back and revisit some of the songs that he already knows. So it's uh, it's pretty cool to have somebody such a machine behind the behind the kit. Yeah, we could. 
Mate, last question. If you if you got time, you okay if I ask you one more question? Yeah, bro. Um, Niall, how was the tour with those guys? That would have been a cracker to watch, actually. I was kind of hoping that you'd bring that tour down to Australia, but um, mate, the tour only finished a few weeks back. How did it go? Yeah, I mean, nice people, uh, real aficionados in everything they do. I mean, they're such a technical kind of a type of a death band, and those, you know, those really weird scales that they use throughout all of it. And when they all get into, uh, you know, an entire you know, where the whole band is like moving like a machine. It is, it's like watching an orchestra happening with four dudes. I mean, it's really, really, really unique. But I thought it was kind of cool because, you know, we had done, we had done Nile, we had done Crowbar, and we wanted to add some, you know, some difference to, to it. We wanted, didn't want to play to the converted. We wanted to bring some death metal guys in. We wanted to bring some of the Crowbar guys in when we toured with them. But the, but the Nile tour was, was real successful. I mean, big rooms and, and many of them totally full. Yeah, sweet. Well, I can't wait for you guys to tour Australia. I'll certainly be at the zoo show. I'd love to catch up and have a beer with you, mate, if it's, if it's at all possible. Um, yeah, so, I mean, just uh, yeah, call John and just have him leave you, leave you a pass so you can buy and say hello. I mean, it's not an issue with me whatsoever. I mean, we're, we're easy to meet. We're not uh, – and, uh, and it's usually uh, there's usually a, a ice chest of cold one sitting right there. So. Yeah, we could. No worries, mate. All right, mate. Well, until then, all the very best and uh, hopefully catch up with you then. Nice talking again, Andrew. No worries, brother. Okay. Catch all right, man. You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast. My name is Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that was my conversation with Bobby Blitz Ellsworth, the front man of legendary New Jersey thrash metal pioneers Overkill. Thank you so much for listening.